Pastor Chris's podcast. Well, yesterday was just a beautiful, beautiful day, and I got to work outside in it, and uh, I would do a little work and then take a break and go over in the shade and sit down and have a, have a bottle of water and keep myself hydrated and just enjoy looking up at that beautiful blue sky and the green leaves and the trees sort of flickering and waving as the breeze blew through them against the blue sky and listening to the birds singing and the, the, bird, the bees buzzing around. It was just a wonderful thing. And words really fail to describe it, you know? How do you describe such wonderful, the wonder of God's creation? You, you really can't. People have tried, and they've written songs about it, and they've written poems about it. I read a poem this morning, says, Notice the sun, it's beaming with light. Look at the sky, oh, the crystal clear blue sky. Busy bees buzzing, a flower. Lovebirds humming together. Feel the air in your face. Don't worry about your messy hair. That's a, a, a part of a poem called It's a Beautiful Day by a, a person named Isabel in the Philippines. And thought it did a pretty good job of catching it. But how do you describe a beautiful day? Words just don't do it. We may try, but words fail. And if we just struggle to describe a beautiful day, how can we ever, ever hope to use feeble human words to describe God? It's impossible. But God wants to be known. And He wants us to try, and so we do. In the 6th century, the Christian church adopted the Athanasian Creed to try to articulate the Trinitarian nature of God. And I won't read the entire creed to you, but just part of it goes like this. It says, We worship one God in, tri in Trinity, and the Trinity in unity, neither blending their persons nor dividing their essence. For the person of the Father is a distinct person, and the person of the Son is another, and that of the Holy Spirit is another. But the divinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one. Their glory equal, their majesty co-eternal. What quality the Father has, the Son has, and the Holy Spirit has. The Father is uncreated. The Son is uncreated. The Holy Spirit is uncreated. The Father is immeasurable. The Son is immeasurable. The Holy Spirit is immeasurable. The Father is eternal. The Son is eternal. The Holy Spirit is eternal. And yet, there are not three eternal beings. There is but one eternal being. So too, there are not three uncreated or immeasurable beings. There is but one uncreated and immeasurable being. Do you see how incredibly difficult and inadequate human language is to describe God? We struggle to do it. We do the best we can. They say that uh, pictures are worth a thousand words, so maybe we'll use a picture to try to describe uh, what God is in, as a triune nature. So you see that there is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and the Father is God, and the Son is God, and the Spirit is God. But the Father is not the Son, and the Father is not the Spirit, and the, Father, and the Spirit is not the Son. Well, maybe that helps a little bit, but it is so difficult, even with a picture, 
to describe the Trinity, but the Trinity is the best that we can do. Today, I want to share a bit about that third person in the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples that after he ascended into heaven to be with the Father, that he would send the Holy Spirit. And as we read in the responsive reading, he said, it is actually good that I leave you to go to be with the Father because if I do, he will send the Holy Spirit to be with you. So can you imagine having someone with us that, that is even better than having Jesus with us? That's what he said. And that Holy Spirit is the one. And picking up where we left off in the response of reading, in the Gospel of John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, it says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit as a gift to everyone who loves Him. Jesus was with His disciples in the flesh, but now the Holy Spirit lives in everyone who loves Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Well, of course, people say. Of course. I mean, anybody who would, most anyone who would come to a worship service, who would tune in on Facebook Live to watch a church service, of course they would say, of course I love Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. So do you love Jesus? What, is it, what were his commandments? He said, love God and love your neighbor. Because you, you know, you can't, you say you love God, but you can't see God, but you can see your neighbors. And how can you say you love God if you don't love your neighbors whom you can see when God is invisible? Jesus said, love God and love your neighbors. And that's, how, that's one of his commandments that you must obey if you say you love Jesus. And then, of course, he talked about all of those ten commandments. Those were commandments that went all the way back to Moses in the Old Testament. Nothing new. You know, do not murder, do not steal, do not lie. He said these commandments. But Jesus went even further than Moses. Don't you remember? He said, you know, the, the law says don't murder, but I say don't even hate someone in your heart. Because hating someone in your heart is like murdering them in your heart. And he said, the law says don't commit adultery. But Jesus said, don't even lust after someone in your heart. For if you do, it's like you've committed adultery in your heart. These are the commandments. And Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And obviously we need a lot of grace because we fall short on all of these things. Who hasn't ever been so angry that it was almost like you hated someone in your heart? Jesus gets it. He understands the frailty of a human heart. And He offers a lot of grace. But grace is not an excuse to just live however we want. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And another of his commandments was to 
to be a witness. You know, some people say, well, I believe religion is a private matter. I think it's a personal matter, what I believe in my faith, and, and I just keep it to myself. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus gave a command. He said, be my witnesses. It means to go out and to not keep it to yourself. It's to tell people that Jesus is indeed your Lord and that He has made a difference in your life and to share that with other people. He said, therefore go into all the world and make disciples of Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And if you love me, He said, obey my commandments. So everyone who loves Jesus ought to obey Him. And everyone who loves and follows Jesus will receive the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit like? You know, we, we know about Jesus and we can understand Jesus because Jesus was a man just like us. That's the reason why Jesus came. God sent His only Son to become one of us, to take on our flesh, so that we could understand God better because we could see a man in the flesh who was like us and we could understand Him. So even though Jesus did incredible things that are sometimes hard to understand and He taught things that are sometimes hard to do, we do understand Him as a man. But what about this Holy Spirit? Spirit's so hard to understand because we are physical beings. But the Holy Spirit is eternal and was there with God at creation. And we see a picture of the Holy Spirit in Exodus as Moses was leading the Israelites through the wilderness. And you know, they built a tabernacle where they could worship the Lord. And, and the Scripture says that the Holy Spirit of God descended on the tabernacle like a cloud of smoke during the day and a cloud of fire at night. And whenever the Spirit of God would move, the tabernacle would move with it and the people would follow the Spirit of God through the wilderness. Prophets spoke by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We read in Isaiah about the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, in Acts chapter 2, we see how the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, descended upon the church, just like it descended upon the tabernacle. But now the Spirit would not be held within a physical building. The Holy Spirit of God is now held within the temple of the human body of Christians who believe in Jesus Christ. We are the church. The church is not a building. The church is the people who believe in Christ. And the Spirit of God lives inside us. We are the temple. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit leads into all truth. John chapter 14, verse 17. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us to do God's will. Just as the Holy Spirit led the Israelites through the wilderness in Exodus, now the Holy Spirit leads us through this world to do what God calls us to do. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is an advocate. The original Greek word in the Gospel of John that he, that he used is parakletos. It means something like the one who's called to your side to comfort you and to help you and to fight for you. That's who the Holy Spirit is. It's God's Spirit who's on your side. Isn't it amazing? 
Isn't it amazing that the Spirit of God is on your side? You know, I think about, you know, I don't know if it's true, I've never been put in jail, but they say when they, someone gets put in jail, you get one phone call, right? And you get to call one person to your side. And I, I think of that image. Here we are in this world, and you get to call one person to your side. Who is it that you get to call the Advocate? The Holy Spirit of the eternal God is on your side. He's the one that's there defending you, advocating for you, helping you, guiding you, showing you the way. And that's an amazing, amazing idea. But the Holy Spirit is not physical. Jesus, while He walked the earth, had a physical body just like you and me. In other words... He could only be in one place at one time. And we understand that because we are physical beings with physical bodies. I can be here in this sanctuary, but I can't be with you at the same time in the living room, except through technology. Jesus was the same way. You remember he was with his disciples in one place while his good friend Lazarus was in another place dying of an illness. And Jesus could not be in both places at once. But the Spirit is another sort of reality that is different from the physical. Spirit can be in all places at once. Spirit can be in me and be in you at the very same time. And that's amazing and, and mysterious because I'm not a spirit, I'm a physical being. But we can't understand something about spirit you know, you can think about a spirit of joy or a spirit of fear that sort of is contagious and, you know, infiltrates throughout a body of people. Um, when I was uh, going before the Board of Ordained Ministry to become a preacher in the United Methodist Church, I had spent nine years of my life studying and preparing and going through the candidacy process and going to seminary, and finally I went before the Board of Ordained Ministry. I had I had to write out 50 pages worth of material about all that I believed, and then I had to go before the board, along with 20 or 30 other people who were in the same situation, and we had to go before the board individually and explain what we believed and defend what we believed. And, and I'm not a person that, that worries a lot. Anxiety is not something that really is problematic with me, but other people it is. But I will tell you this, and as I went into that meeting, I knew that I had done all the preparation. I, I, I knew my stuff. I knew I was ready. And I really wasn't that worried about it. And I thought to myself, even if I don't make it, you know, it's okay. God's with me and I'll be fine. But when I got into that room with 20 or 30 other candidates in the same position, and we were all together there waiting for our turn, and many of those people were just worried to death, worried sick, and it was a spirit of anxiety that was contagious. It just flowed throughout the whole room and infiltrated everybody who was there until I found that I also was really worried and anxious about going before these people because the spirit was, it's like water in a, you know, it just soaks through everything. You can't hardly contain it. That's what spirits, a spirit is like. I passed my boards, no problem, by the way. We sometimes read about evil spirits in the New Testament. Evil spirits that cause people to do crazy things, they foam at the mouth or be 
violent or act crazy and do terrible things. But the Holy Spirit is not like that. The Holy Spirit is holy and is good and is pure. Sometimes an evil spirit would come and live inside someone and soak into their soul and do terrible, evil things. But when the Holy Spirit comes and soaks inside you, it makes you holy and good and pure and you do good things because God is love and the Holy Spirit is love. And we look at how Jesus acted, how loving and how wonderful and how powerful and how wise He was, he was led by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit does those same kinds of good and holy things in us. Just like Jesus did. The Holy Spirit bears fruit in our lives. And we can perceive what the Holy Spirit is like from the kinds of spiritual fruit He produces. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says, The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if that's the kind of fruit that the Spirit produces, then guess what the Spirit is like? That just makes common sense. You know what an apple tree produces? Apples. You don't get rotten fish from an apple tree, do you? No, it can't happen. You get a nice juicy apple, it tells you what the apple tree is like. And the same is true when we look at the fruit of the Spirit. If we have fruit growing in our life, given to us by the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, it tells us that that is what the Holy Spirit is like too. And the Holy Spirit is full of power. The Spirit empowered the early Christians to overcome incredible odds, to spread the good news about Jesus Christ all over the world. The very people who started out determined to kill Christians and wipe them off of the face of the earth soon found that they themselves were being convicted by the Holy Spirit and they were repenting of their sins and their evil deeds and they were turning to Jesus Christ themselves. That is how powerful the Holy Spirit is. It comes to its enemies and turns them around and makes them friends. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, has the power to do that. And all who follow Jesus are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Some are empowered to perform miracles. Some offer healing. Some speak the truth boldly. Some lead. Some have incredible faith. All are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And here's what Jesus said. I'll just love this. Here's what Jesus said about those who are led by the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 12 says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to the Father. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a wonderful thought? That you can do great things, greater things even than Jesus Christ did because the Holy Spirit lives inside you. That just boggles my mind. The Holy Spirit is not limited by space in the way that physical beings are. The Holy Spirit is in me, 
and can also be in you, and can also be in millions of other people all at once. And maybe that's how we can do such amazing things that are even more amazing than what Jesus did because there are so many of us and there was only one of him. When I was a kid, my grandmother was a, was a devout Christian lady. Uh, had so, learned so much from her. And I remember one day, uh, she was so proud. I, I came over and she was so proud. She had, she had gotten this license plate to put on the very front of her car. And she just wanted to show me. She said, come out here. And she had this license plate that said, God is my co-pilot on the front of her car. And she was so excited about that. And she said, I know I can go all over town and be a witness and tell everybody that God is my co-pilot, and they'll know. She was so proud of that until the preacher came over one day. <laughs> and she brought him out, come out here, I want to show you, and took her out and showed her that license plate, God is my co-pilot. She was so proud. And the preacher said, i got to tell you, Miss Wingo, i got a problem with that. He said, if God is your co-pilot, you're in the wrong seat. <laughs> and he explained to her that God needs to be the pilot, and we need to be the co-pilot. So the next time I went over there, she said, come out here, i got to show you, i got to show you. And she took me out there to the front, and she showed me. She had gotten a, a big marker, and she had scratched out, God is my co-pilot, and it now just said, God is my pilot. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to be your co-pilot. He wants to be in complete control of your life. But the Holy Spirit never forces himself upon us. If you set him in the co-pilot seat, he won't kick you out of the pilot seat. The Holy Spirit only comes by invitation and consent. Do you recall the Christmas story when the angel Gabriel visited Mary to tell her that God had chosen her to bear God's Son? The angel said in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. and He will be called the Son of God. But the Holy Spirit did not force Himself upon Mary. The Holy Spirit did not possess Mary until Mary gave her consent. In verse 38, Mary responded. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And it's the same way with us. The Spirit does not force Himself upon us. But we must invite Him. And we must give our consent for Him to take control. Kelly and I drove out to Huntsville to pick up Gavin and help him get some of his furniture to come home because he's graduating from college and getting ready to move to Marietta in a couple of weeks. And uh, as we were driving out, this was about a two-and-a-half-hour drive, and I was driving for a little bit, and then I started getting tired. So I said, Kelly, will you drive the rest of the way? And that's how Kelly and I do things. When we go on a long trip, we take turns driving. I will drive for a little bit until I get tired or until she gets tired of me driving, and, uh, and then we will switch. And she will drive until she gets tired or until I get tired of her driving, you know, uh, and then we will switch. And that's the way we do it. Now, some of you out there would never do that. Some of you out there 
will never get in a car unless your hands are the ones that are on the steering wheel. You have to be the one driving. You cannot sit in the passenger seat, let alone in the back seat. You just could not do that. You're too much got to be in control. You can't let anybody else drive. Some of you in your life have got to learn to let go of the steering wheel, to get out of the pilot seat and get in the co-pilot seat. You've got to learn to let the Holy Spirit take over your life. And for some people that can be frightening. But I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit, you can never run your life, you can never pilot your life better than the Holy Spirit of God. How could you even think that you would know what is best for you better than the God who created you and knows everything? How could you ever think that you have the ability to make your life go where it needs to go better than the God who is all-powerful? And you say, but yeah, but it's my life. And God loves you so much, He knows what's best for you even better than you do. And we've got to get out of the driver's seat and let the Holy Spirit take over. So as we come to the close of the message today, I want to give an invitation. For some of you, maybe today is the very first day that you want to decide to let Jesus be the Lord of your life. You realize that you do love Jesus. And you do want to obey His command. I invite you today to pray to Him and make that decision. Just say, Lord Jesus Christ, lead me. You are my Lord, and I f- want to follow You. And He will. And when He does, the Holy Spirit will come and take residence in your heart. Some of you today, I want to invite you, because you've, you've been a Christian for a while, and maybe you've been trying to follow and do the right things. But today... Maybe in a new way, you need to let the Holy Spirit take over your life. You need to be like Mary that says, Lord, I'm your servant. May everything that you've said about my life come true. I I open the doors wide open. Come in and live inside me. And just take me wherever you want. Lord, come in and take control of my life. If that's you today, praise be to God. You pray to God, and you lift up that prayer as well.